No, it was unreal. It was unreal. Tonight on Global News Hour, the missing Tri-Cities woman with dementia back home after going missing for five days and her family's joy after reuniting with their loved one. Plus, she was just the sweetest kid. BC parents mourning the death of their nine-year-old boy with asthma and the possibility that smoke from the wildfires is partly to blame. And then... A surreal and shocking moment. I think when something like that happens, you don't really expect it to happen to you. A New Zealand tourist stabbed in an unprovoked attack downtown shares his story, now looking to the public for help. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. It was the best possible news for a Kilquitlam family. A 69-year-old woman with dementia lost for days is suddenly found alive and well this weekend. So how did Li Fang Chang survive her five-day ordeal? Kamal Karamali has more on how she was discovered and the new bonds of friendship created by the family reunion in this Global News exclusive. Give us a hug. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. A new lifelong bond between people who were once strangers. She's happy tears. After a five-day heart-wrenching search for a missing senior came to a close when she was found alive. It's like a movie. It's like a movie with a happy ending. It's, it's, it's crazy. Frank Zhang's mother, Cheng Li Feng, disappeared Monday morning. The 69-year-old with Alzheimer's went for her daily walk but never came home. The hunt began. Search and rescue crews scouring the dense wooded area just outside Minicata Park in Coquitlam. Thick, dense brush, uh, prickle bushes, uh, choked creek beds. So there's, there's quite a lot of uh, physical things to navigate. Even in this wooded area, there isn't much to survive off of, just some salmon berries and huckleberries. But by Wednesday, family was losing faith. I was prepared, mentally prepared for her not coming back forever. By Saturday, with hope fading fast, seemingly out of nowhere. I see this woman sitting down there. I'm going, that's her, that's her, that's her. There she was. And she was sitting just on this rock, picking the burrs off her pants sitting in Marjorie and Ed Caruso's backyard. In my heart, I, it was just pounding. I had to go find the phone number and it was like, ah, 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 don't let her out of your sight. Don't. Yeah, it was unreal. Police arrived quickly, but her dementia only allowed her to remember small parts of her ordeal. She uh, survived by picking up berries, wild berries, and like probably water from creek. And uh, so uh, everyone was saying this definitely is a miracle. Found only with a large branch. That she must have used as a walking stick. And a small container. She must have found it in the bush to drink out of. Crews now trying to make sure all people with Alzheimer's are equipped with long-range tracking devices. With these kind of calls, uh, it's on the rise in British Columbia. They're up closer to 70 calls for people with dementia and Alzheimer's in all of BC. Grateful for the senior's safety and a new friendship. We'll probably eat at a restaurant or something. We're just so happy that she's okay. And a reminder to hold your loved ones, new and old, even closer. Kamal Karamali, Global News.
Now to a tragic loss in the interior. The BC Coroner Service is investigating the sudden death of a nine-year-old boy in 100 Mile House last week. As Krista Dow reports, the family was told by doctors that Carter Vide died following a severe asthmatic reaction exacerbated by wildfire smoke blanketing their community. Carter Vi loved to dance. Whether it was showing off his sweet moves or playing soccer, his parents say he gave it his all. Even though he had asthma, he played his heart out every time he stepped foot on that field. The nine-year-old boy, a fighter in the hospital too. On Tuesday, Carter was rushed to the ER in 100 Mile House after a severe asthma attack. Carter was intubated. And despite CPR compressions for nearly 30 minutes, passed away at 7.20 p.m. And Carter was digging deep. He was really trying. Or the doctor told us that even if some miracle happened, he wouldn't be our baby. He wouldn't be the same Carter that we knew. The couple says the day started off normal with smoke at a low risk, but took a turn by the afternoon. Carter's coughing significantly worsened. His parents say doctors told them cause of death was severe asthma exacerbated by wildfire smoke from up north. Just the fact that the smoke got so bad and <clears throat> and the heat. The visibility up here was just, I've never seen it so bad. An air quality advisory was issued Monday and remains in effect. The BC Coroner Service says it was notified and is investigating the death. One Vancouver respirologist says asthma attacks are becoming common during the wildfire season and says the effects of smoke can build up. Unfortunately, this is not a one-off. This happens when the uh, airways, inflamed air airways of asthmatics are exposed to heavy pollution like wildfire. The airway constriction may not happen on the day of high air pollution levels. It may happen a day or two afterwards. Sin warning people to be vigilant, especially those with underlying health conditions. A GoFundMe has raised more than $28,000. Carter's parents grateful for the community support. I just hope that people realize how serious it is. And I don't want to see anybody else go through what we're going through. Hoping their tragedy can spare other families heartbreak. Krista Dow, Global News. And BC's health ministry issuing a statement saying in part the province extends their heartfelt condolences to the victim's family, adding the coroner service is investigating what happened in this specific instance. We will provide further comment when it is the appropriate time to do so. For the second time in less than a week, a Canadian firefighter has been killed while battling a wildfire. Officials in the Northwest Territory say the firefighter died while battling a fire in the Fort Liard district Saturday afternoon. The hamlet is about 37 kilometers north of the BC border and has three wildfires burning around it right now. His death comes just days after 19-year-old Devin Gale was struck and killed by a fallen tree while fighting a wildfire outside Revelstoke. A dubious distinction, B.C. has the greatest number of wildfires burning in the country right now. Data from the Canadian Interagency Forest Fire Centre showed there are more than 370 fires in B.C. That's out of 878 
active fires in Canada. More than 70 evacuation alerts or orders have been issued as a result of the fires, most of them clustered in the central interior. The Caribou Regional District issued an order this weekend covering 38 parcels of land in a 160 square kilometer area around Anaheim Peak. Evacuees are being directed to head to Williams Lake. That order is in addition to another one issued Friday for the Lacous area west of Quesnel. Meantime, some better news in the firefight further north area restrictions that were established around the Donnie Creek and Almaneca complex fires were rescinded today. An evacuation alert covering 60 properties due to the Donnie Creek fire was also canceled. That alert had covered a stretch of Highway 97 and properties in a remote area north of Fort St. John for more than two weeks. The Donnie Creek blaze is the largest fire in B.C. history. Well, we all know the solution to the wildfire and drought crisis in B.C. is rain, and rain is in the forecast on Monday. But will it help? Here's senior meteorologist Christy Gordon with more on that. Christy. Thanks so much, Julie. Well, it's not going to be near enough. It will be like a drop in the bucket, which you well know is completely dry, and not all areas will actually see it. Here's a look. What we're expecting is an upper level trough to move across. What that means is very spotty conditions. We are not talking about widespread rain at all. And it comes with lightning strikes. So there'll be a few isolated areas that will receive precipitation, but it's minimal to maybe 20 millimeters in some very small pockets. Generally though, what we're concerned about as we head into tomorrow with this upper level trough is the fact that we have more lightning in the forecast. So the potential is there for more fires tomorrow. Julie, back to you. Good to hear. Thanks, Christy. Well, a fire on a rural property in West Kelowna yesterday came dangerously close to spreading into the bush. What it does illustrate is just how dry everything is out there right now. Um, you know, this is the classic Okanagan wildfire season and we're right in the middle of it. You know, almost 40 degrees today, the wind's blowing. Uh, this is right up against uh, the wildland urban interface. Um, and, you know, it, all of the, the factors were there to cause a real problem. And it was the hard and quick work of the fire crews that got here and stopped that from happening. The fire call came in around 6 o'clock last night at Bartley and Lens Roads. When crews arrived, they found a pile of agricultural debris that had somehow caught on fire. It had started to spread into the wildland area. The B.C. Wildfire Service says it was on standby. West Kelowna Fire Rescue managed to get the fire under control quickly and no homes were under threat. The cause of the fire is still unknown. Starting tomorrow, travelers on Vancouver Island can expect further delays on Highway 4. The highway was shut down last month due to the Cameron Bluffs wildfire and reopened to single-lane alternating traffic on June 23rd. Now, the Transportation Ministry says closures are needed in order to do rock scaling work. So it will be closed Monday to Friday from 9 to 11.30 a.m. and from 1.30 to 5 p.m. From 11.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m., westbound traffic will have priority. And from 12.30 to 1.30 p.m., there will be an eastbound flush of traffic. It will remain open to single lane on alternating traffic overnight and on weekends, including the BC day long weekend. It's hoped all work will be completed by mid-August when the highway is expected to fully reopen. 
We're hearing tonight from a New Zealand tourist who was stabbed in a random and unprovoked attack in downtown Vancouver last week. As Travis Prasad reports, the 28-year-old visitor says he never even spoke to the assailant and had no clue what had happened until he felt a stinging pain. This right here was the actual impact of the knife wound in my shirt. So. Now visiting the Yukon, Jamie Hallows hopped on a video call to show us the unfortunate keepsake from his travels in BC. It was a very kind of surreal and shocking moment. I think when something like that happens, you don't really expect it to happen to you. Around 8 p.m. on Wednesday, the 28-year-old backpacker walked out of his hostel in the Granville Entertainment District to get some food. He was standing near Nelson and Granville. And then all of a sudden... I just felt a couple of hits from behind. At first, it kind of just felt like it was just like a couple of punches. It didn't really feel like much. So I turned to go see who had actually done it. And I saw a guy who was just walking away. And I figured there's a bit of a drug problem that goes on in Vancouver. So I wasn't really going to instigate it further type of thing. Turns out Hallows had been stabbed two times. He took himself to the hospital for treatment. He got me really good the first time. It was actually quite a deep incision. It was so far that it actually I felt it right down to my hip bone. Uh, and the second one was just a kind of glancing blow that only just really grazed my arm. Hallow says he did not interact with the suspect at any point. Vancouver police are calling it a random, unprovoked attack. No arrests have been made. One incident is too many and I have uh, a lot, we all have a lot of confidence in the Vancouver uh, Police Department to get to the bottom of this. The tourist now hoping the public will help. There was actually a few people around me when this had happened. Uh, so at least if there's maybe some witnesses that could come forward, maybe they have a better identification on the guy. I really did not get a good look at him. As his wounds heal, Hallows is staying positive, saying the violence won't stop him from traveling or returning to Vancouver. I'm very thankful to actually be here. I'm very thankful that it wasn't worse and yeah, that I can just continue. Travis Prasad, Global News. Vancouver police described the suspect in that stabbing as five feet, five inches tall with a medium complexion. He was wearing a white t-shirt, dark jeans and a blue baseball cap. Contact the VPD if you have any information. A powerful magnitude 7.2 earthquake struck off the southern coast of Alaska this weekend. The quake triggered tsunami warning sirens across the state as the ground began shaking just before 11 p.m. local time. The epicenter was about 88 kilometers southwest of Sandy Point. A tsunami warning was briefly issued before being downgraded to an advisory and canceled completely this morning. Officials in B.C. assessed the risk of a tsunami reaching our shores and it Determined there was no threat. Still to come on Global News Hour, he says he was only trying to help. A BC man is fired for picking up a wild moose calf on the side of the highway. Why his former boss is refuting those claims. Plus, Vancouver Park Board's plans to generate more revenue. What they're planning when we return. Foyer of a Fort Nelson man who says he rescued a moose calf from the side of a busy highway in early June is defending its decision to fire him. As Kristen Robinson reports, videos from the worker and his company tell two completely different stories about what happened. Hey, buddy. Where's mom? With no mother in sight, Mark Skage says this moose calf caught his attention on the Alaska Highway last month. When I pulled up and stopped the truck right across the highway from it and opened my door, 
it immediately started across the road right to the truck. The tank technician says he soon realized why the baby moose was getting so close. I happened to look over back where that calf had come from, and there was a black bear standing there. Do you want in there? Oh, it's cold, eh? Skage drove the calf five and a half hours south to Fort Nelson in his work truck, where he dropped it off at a farm. She came to me, and I decided I'd, I'd answer the call. When I opened the door, she jumped in the truck. Skage, seen here talking to a friend while transporting the moose, has since been fired by AFD Petroleum, which has released dash cam detailing a very different story. That little guy was so scared, I opened the door, jumped right in the truck. <laughs> but company video shows the employee heaving the struggling moose calf into his cluttered truck cab some three hours earlier. You guys like pets and stuff, right? Like pets? Yeah. Yeah. We oh. got a, we got our fill though. How how are you with secrets? <laughs> Why what? I can be pretty good with secrets. Well, I have something that I need somebody to take care of. The conservation officer service, which is investigating the incident, moved the moose to a rehab center in Dawson Creek where it remains. You're not supposed to pick up wildlife. You're not supposed to transport wildlife. I get all that, right? What I did was I believe something higher. AFD says the two-way work truck video shows no evidence of a bear nearby and no sign of Skage searching for the calf's mother. His decision to capture the moose made in less than two minutes. The company says it's clear the employee was in direct violation of its wildlife policies and was ultimately terminated due to a series of workplace incidents culminating with this one. Her and I had a talk. I only, I only eat the boys, that's it. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Burnaby Mounties are investigating after a traffic stop netted baggies of suspected cocaine in a hidden compartment. Police pulled over the driver last Tuesday on Rumble Street near Patterson Avenue after noticing the driver of the car didn't match the registered owner's description. Officers say they found a knife and suspected cocaine in the vehicle before coming across a hidden compartment with more cocaine, two cell phones, cash and another knife. A 25-year-old man has been arrested for possession for the purpose of trafficking. A Vancouver Park Board, the Bar Vancouver Park Board, in, uh, sorry, is looking at creative ways to increase its revenue. Commissioners are considering public-private partnerships to get more money flowing into the coffers and make long-needed repairs. It's hoped by possibly making deals with major companies for branding opportunities, changes can be made as soon as possible rather than waiting years down the line to wait for it in the budget. Commissioner Marie Claire Howard says one pressing issue issue is the concession and washrooms at Spanish Spanish Banks West. The building is closed due to plumbing issues and isn't expected to be fixed until next summer. Even if it was open, this concession stand is not up to the standard of this gorgeous view we have out there. When you're going to when you travel anywhere in Europe, in Australia, in Southeast Asia, you see beauty on the beach. Uh, this is this served its time back in the 50s. It's not up to, to, to snuff right now. The staff report will go before the park board for consideration at tomorrow night's meeting. Still to come on the news hour, Toronto's refugee problem, sleeping on the streets with nowhere to go, what's being done to help them. Plus, 
The real effects of hail on crops following storms in Alberta when we come back. Another person has died in connection with last month's bus crash west of Winnipeg. Manitoba RCMP say a 79-year-old woman who had been in hospital since the collision succumbed to her injuries today. A crash involved a bus carrying seniors from Dauphin, Manitoba, who were on a day trip to a casino when their vehicle was struck by a semi on Highway 1. In total, 17 people have now died as a result of the crash. One person has died and another is in critical condition after a gondola crash in Quebec. It happened just before noon in the resort town of Mont-Tremblant, about 90 minutes northwest of Montreal. Quebec Provincial Police say a piece of construction equipment hit the gondola, knocking the two people riding it inside to the ground. The resort cancelled the rest of a music festival that was supposed to end today. A worsening situation in Toronto to tell you about as dozens of refugees are now sleeping outside a downtown shelter. The encampment has nearly 50 people and most come from African countries. Advocates say the issue started in early June when the city of Toronto started to refer refugees to federal programs instead of municipal shelters. Advocates say the refugees are being treated like pawns and calling on the feds to step up and do more. We're now just seeing them in one particular location because they know that they can receive some kind of support if they're here. What we need is shelter and I believe that the Canadian government can do that and they are capable of providing shelter for us. City officials say they're still waiting to receive more than $100 million in federal funding to help refugees, but the feds say it's still up to provinces and municipalities to take care of them. A meeting on Tuesday between all levels of government is intended to come up with some solutions. Another summer storm pelted much of Calgary with loony-sized hail and flash flooding. Susan Kumar sending in this video showing just how much fell in a short amount of time in her neighborhood. She says there was some hail damage to cars and her garden was all but destroyed. Elsewhere in the city, the hail tore through parts of houses and decks and some flash flooding hit neighborhoods. There were no reports of any injuries. Carolyn Curry de Castillo now on the other effects of the damage on vegetation. It was set to be a bountiful year for apples at this Riverbend house. The homeowners already anticipating the taste of juicy pies. Now the tree that was once teeming with fruit has been stripped bare. Hailstones were hitting the front window where we were standing so hard that it, it, I was scared it was going to break the window. Sheila Luft and her partner watched as the hail started pelting their home and garden. There was very little rain. It was just a hailstorm. The siding on the house is punctured. The hail was so ferocious that it blew out the glass on the back door light and damaged the railings. Devastating, but I am thankful that nobody got hurt. It kind of just crept up on us and all of a sudden we just hear this bang, bang, bang. What's going on? Because I'm like too early for fireworks. Yeah. Ray Jabrika lives on the east side of Riverbend. His entire patio roof was smashed to pieces. You look outside and just immense hailstones. It started off maybe dime size and became golf size. It was quite shocking though. It was, it was surreal. I was really, really loud. A lot of pops. And then I didn't think it would uh, disintegrate like this. The storm hit several South Calgary neighborhoods. Siding damage, patio lights shattered and piles of hail still stubbornly hanging on despite the heat on Sunday. Some cars were pockmarked while others were spared, like at this dealership where mounds of hail were cradled in netting. 
I'm hearing sad stories. Gardeners living in the south end of Calgary are mourning the loss of everything from kale to clematis, but experts say it may still be salvaged. Air on the side of caution. Don't go in and wholesale because the bed looks a little decimated. Go in and look carefully. Because, yeah, it, that storm blew in here secretly. And as people rake the remnants of branches and leaves, horticulturalists advise that hail damage to trees may require pruning away the most affected branches. Carolyn Curry de Castillo, Global News. Coming up on Global News Hour, burn survivors and their recovery. This summer's burn camp officially launching this morning in North Vancouver. More on that when we return. You're watching Global BC. Today marks the beginning of National Drowning Prevention Week. With about 75 drownings in British Columbia each year, the Life Saving Society is trying to educate people across the province about prevention. The majority of drownings happen to people who never intended to go in the water and were often 15 meters from safety. While on the water, wearing a life jacket, refraining from drinking alcohol and ensuring kids are with arm's reach at all times are ways to protect yourself and your family. Signing up for swimming lessons is a great thing that you can do. Knowing how to swim, you, your kids, it's never too late. There are adult swimming lessons too. So knowing those skills is, is a great thing that you can do for yourself. Drowning remains the third leading cause of death in Canada with more than 450 fatalities a year. Always some good advice in there. And Christy Gordon, you're also always full of good advice. And what do we need to know coming into the week? Well, what we need to know is that the fire danger rating is going to remain high to extreme across the province. Our drought scenario is going to remain in place. We still have no significant rain in the forecast. So we talked about the potential for some rain, but it's going to be super spotty. This is the scenario today. We had many lightning strikes in through the Caribou Central Interior regions. We have severe thunderstorm watches and warnings in effect. The warnings are in place uh, for the Lakes District as well as the Prince George region. If you're in and around these areas, make sure you take cover. That means get inside. If you're not in around a building you go inside of a car uh, lightning definitely kills uh, a lot of people they say uh, 10 people roughly on average across the province or sorry across the country each year uh, BC Peace River area also significant rain lightning and downpours of hail there uh, we are expecting that spotty rainfall to push across the region I want to mention south coast we're not uh, Im- uh, immune to this we are going to see the potential for showers or even thunderstorms overnight tonight developing early tomorrow morning and then spreading into the interior throughout the day tomorrow. So keep your eye on the sky and when thunder roars, head indoors. The smoke is going to remain in place in the Caribou Central Interior, northeastern BC. Look at Alberta as well. I am expecting the potential for some local smoke to sort of shift a little bit further south tomorrow, but overall it's going to remain in those key areas that have been contending with it for almost a week now. So those are the areas I've written in smoke there to show the widespread smoke. Areas further south, we have a risk of thunder storms right down into a Kelowna, a Suyus. I'm not expecting thunderstorms for you. Uh, and certainly that smoke should remain sort of just a local smoke for Kamloops and uh, over towards sort of Revelstoke. So for our region, 
slight chance of showers. It's really not much at all. We have the potential for it to begin overnight, continue into the morning hours. And then otherwise, look at this. We're right back into sunshine and heat. And when we look into the long range, Julie, as I mentioned, we still have no rain in the forecast. This is really incredible. It's been since June 19th since we've had significant rain. Back to you. All right. Thank you very much, Christy. Well, this summer's burn camp officially launching this morning in North Vancouver. The event taking place at the District of North Vancouver's Fire Training Center, hosting burn survivors, their families, along with firefighters and volunteers. Burn camp is coming up in the third week of July at the Chicama Center near Squamish, with the burn fund covering all expenses for survivors. Campers get to have fun while being supported by counselors and medical professionals. One person at the ceremony today attended burn camp almost 30 years ago. It was very important to me. It helped me um, heal a big part of who I was um, by helping the kids because I became a camp counselor right away. Um, I got to um, do some healing. It was like a family and also people who understood what you were going through and you didn't have to cover up because everybody had scars. So you weren't the only one. Burn injuries are the third leading cause of injury seen at emergency rooms for children under five. Oh, how fantastic is that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, awesome. so, yeah. Barry, what you got coming up? Well, uh, did you get up at 6 a.m. to watch tennis this morning? If you didn't, uh, you should have. It was uh, maybe one of the best Wimbledon finals ever between uh, Djokovic and Alcaraz, and everyone was expecting Djokovic to win again because he hasn't lost at Wimbledon for something like five years, but it was the, the young Spaniard Alcaraz, perhaps the start of a changing at the guard at the top of tennis. It was uh, the big story of the day, some of the best points you will see in tennis this year, so that's all coming up. Awesome stuff. Thanks so much. Well, coming up on Global News Hour, gearing up for the North American Indigenous Games. We head to Halifax, where players, coaches, and staff are getting ready for tomorrow's launch of the competition. Stay with us. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau officially opened the North American Indigenous Games in Halifax tonight. Nearly 5,000 young people from more than 750 nations will compete in 16 sports. As Vanessa Wright reports, teams spent today gearing up for the week-long competition and forming new and lasting friendships. As the anticipation for the North American Indigenous Games intensifies, so do the practices. After a late arrival into Halifax last night, dozens of players, coaches and staff spent the day gearing up for Monday's competition. For those travelling from the West Coast, that meant shaking off their nerves and their jet lag. Like a lot of traveling and the heat is crazy. It's so humid here. For right now it's jet lag and trying to get situated in our dorms. Yeah. So although teams are racing to memorize plays and cues ahead of Monday's kickoff, most players say they are taking in every moment with their teammates. We hype each other up and then while we're doing warm-ups and we try to keep it alive with music and we'll try to like dance before games and hype each other up. I'm just excited to play basketball, you know? Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> yeah, been a long night. 756 Indigenous nations will come together during the week-long event to celebrate and embrace Indigenous culture as a team. Just being able to dive into my culture has been amazing. I've been able to learn so much and even these girls just seeing them light up yesterday at the village 
buying earrings and different like beadwork and all that. Oh, it's just been so amazing to see them step into where they come from and understanding that. They've played against each other before in tournaments with their league teams, but they never knew each other, never knew that they were indigenous or that they shared something in common. So seeing them all making really lasting friendships that they're going to keep for the rest of their lives is pretty awesome to see. Hundreds of people are expected to attend the week-long events, which will include cultural demonstrations, performances, and vendors for the public to enjoy. Vanessa Wright, Global News, Halifax. Coming up in sports, a thrilling comeback. Highlights from the Wimbledon men's singles and the player who wowed the crowds become the latest champion when we come back. Global BC Community Hub. Promote your event, share your story, build your community. Global BC Community Hub, bringing your worlds together. Get your picnic blanket and grab a spot on the lawn at the Whistler Summer Concert Series. From classical music and indie pop to chilled out beats, R&B and rock bands, Whistler Olympic Plaza is the place to be for free outdoor concerts all summer long. Head to the Royal BC Museum and experience the life of Sue, the most complete and best preserved Tyrannosaurus Rex ever found. Don't miss out on learning how Sue survived their challenging and dangerous world. For Our BC, I'm Michael Newman. Global BC Community Hub. Promote your event, build your community. Global BC Community Hub, bringing your worlds together. Barry is back with sports, mm -hmm. and can we call Carlos the comeback kid? Is that is that an well? We know he's definitely a kid. Uh, yes. We were just saying. Uh, I think uh, when uh, Djokovic won his first Grand Slam, Alcaraz was five. Jeez. So you know, there's a big difference there. But this 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 is amazing because we've been waiting for someone to challenge. You know, these big four. I mean, Federer's retired and. Uh, Rafa's been injured a lot, but uh, Djokovic has been amazing. All right, thanks, Julie. Carlos Alcaraz uh, has been dubbed tennis's next great superstar. He is world-ranked number one already, and he pretty much cemented that label today in London with an absolutely epic performance in the Wimbledon final, knocking off Novak Djokovic in a five-set thriller. Alcaraz did what all the new wave of players have failed to do, beat Djokovic, on the grand stage. It was four hours, 42 minutes of magic, but Djokovic made Alcaraz work for every bit of it. Djokovic has won seven Wimbledons. He was riding a 34-match win streak in London, and he easily won the first set 6-1. But then Alcaraz shook off the nerves, gained his footing, and it started a sequence of some of the best points you will see in tennis. These two were like a video game. Alcaraz in the far court, just a, a dazzling get and an angle to control the point. Djokovic with the desperation dive, but Alcaraz is there. It was like this all day long. So fun to watch. And the second set would actually go to a tiebreak. The second set actually took 85 minutes to play. One of the games took 27 minutes, but if you imagine if you had a bought a ticket for this one. It was amazing. There's a reason there's so much buzz about Alcaraz. He does it all. Ridiculous touch and confidence on the drop shot here, and he would take the set 7-6. Easily won the third set 6-1. But uh, he didn't think it would be easy, would it? Djokovic responded in the fourth. Big overhead smash here. 
Alcaraz tried to get it, ended up doing the splits in the process, but he was okay. Djokovic won the set 6-3, so we go to a fifth. They play on, one all, and now just watch the world-class tennis here. Both players just crushing ground strokes. Finally, it's Alcaraz who will measure it here and just rip the passing shot past Djokovic. And that is the break, and he goes up 2-1. He's fired up, and so is Djokovic, who destroys his racket. He is not used to finishing second in the big finals. Alcaraz now with a chance to serve it up for the match. You can imagine the nerves must be unbearable, but he doesn't show it. Another incredible volley there to win the point. Like I said, he's got every tool in the box, and he's only 20 years old. And now we do go to match point. And... Carlos Alcaraz does it. He wins his first Wimbledon championship. He did win the U.S. Open last year, but remember, Djokovic wasn't allowed to travel to the U.S. because of COVID rules. So it's the third longest championship in Wimbledon history, four hours, 42 minutes. One of the great matches ever played at the All England Lawn Tennis Club. And here is the young Spaniard, the champ, trying to soak it all in. Uh, even if I uh, will have lost, uh, you know, I would be uh, really proud of myself, you know, in this amazing run, you know, making uh, history in this beautiful uh, tournament, you know, playing a final against uh, a legend of our sports. For me, uh, it's, it's incredible, you know, uh, as I said, it's a dream, a dream come true, be able to, you know, uh, play in these stages uh, it's it's amazing uh, for a boy you know 20 years old I didn't expect to to reach you know this uh, kind of situations really fast uh, I'm really really proud of my <laughs> and he's got a pretty good personality too doesn't he the uh, Whitecaps hit the MLS break on a high note last night beating LA Galaxy 4-2 and moving solidly into seventh place in the West Ryan Gold led the way again with two more goals, but the Caps almost let this one slip away after nearly blowing a 3-0 halftime lead before scoring late to secure the full three points. Whitecaps won't play another MLS game for five weeks while the League's Cup competition takes place, so hitting the break was a, uh, with a win was important. Caps have played entertaining soccer at BC Place, and that was the case last night again, and another rapid start. Ryan Raposo with the cross, headed home by Brian White just 99 seconds in. Such a difference when you can get that goal early. Eighth MLS goal for White. That leads the team. And then eight minutes later, Julian Gressel back from Gold Cup duty where he played for the U.S. will find Gold. And uh, check out that shot. We usually don't see him fire like that. He's a finesse guy, but what a strike that was. 2-0 Vancouver. Brian White then drew a penalty that reduced the Galaxy to 10 men. Gold will take the penalty. He hasn't missed yet this year from the spot, and he's 4-for-4 four four after pounding it in. Vanny enjoying the view from the press box. Of course, he was suspended for last night's game due to yellow card accumulation. 3-0 at the half. He had to love what he saw, but the Galaxy made it interesting, scored a couple of times before uh, Vancouver will score here. Sergio Cordova nets the rebound is second in as many games and the Caps take it 4-2, seventh place at the break, but not happy they let the Galaxy back in the match. 
I told them at, at halftime, you know, we can't let confidence turn into arrogance. And, and I think that's what ended up happening is we, we turned our confidence into arrogance and we, we thought that the game was just going to be uh, won very easily and we're going to go from 3-0 to 4-5. to five. And we probably could have done that. We had opportunities, but, you know, it was just trying to keep the guys uh, as calm and as, as, as focused as possible. But uh, it proved more difficult than I thought. We've won 4-2 um, and we're all in the change room kind of frustrated um, and disappointed by how the game went. So... I think that shows how far we've come as a team and, you know, kind of what we expect from each other. Baseball today, Blue Jays going for the sweep against Arizona. They were down 2-0 early, but uh, Kevin Kiermaier, what a pickup. The veteran has been so good defensively and some clutch hits out of that number nine spot. Base hit to center scores Santiago Espinal. Ties it up 2-2. Jays were up 3-2 and then got some much-needed insurance in the eighth. Bases loaded for Danny Jansen and... He promptly unloads them, laces a hanging breaking ball into the gap in left center. Guerrero, Chapman, Merrifield all come across to score. Jansen up to 40 RBI in the season, and the Jays take it 7-5. They're 53-41, and solidly in a wild card spot. They get tomorrow off, host San Diego Tuesday, and then they're in Seattle next Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. That's always fun when they head down there. Final day of the Canada Cup from Softball City in South Surrey. Canada taking on Italy in a must-win game. Canada was down 5-1 in the fifth. Erica Polidori launches a solo homer to left to cut the Italy lead to 5-2, but that's as close as Canada got. Italy also digging the long ball, a solo homer in the sixth. Put this one to bed, 6-2 the final. So Canada's out. They finish fourth. The final is going on right now featuring uh, the Japanese national team. Golf today and uh, quite a finish at the Scottish Open where Rory McIlroy had the 54-hole lead. Breezy conditions, which is a beautiful Scottish summer day, really perfect for a guy from Scotland, Robert McIntyre. Five back when the day began, but check out that shot into a howling breeze from 214 yards out. Cut a big three-wood into the wind, three and a half feet from the cup, and then finishes the job with the birdie. So he posts 14 under. He's got the clubhouse lead. But Rory McIlroy still in reach. He's one back playing the par 317th, another tough hole into a brisk wind, but hits a fantastic tee shot. Got to run the ball up on these link-style courses, especially when it's windy, and Rory does it perfectly. That would settle to within a few feet. Made the birdie, so he ties McIntyre for the lead. And then on 18, Rory has a chance for the win. 11 feet for birdie. Little downhiller, and Rory is going to roll it in and snatch victory away from the Scotsman. Rory with his 24th career PGA Tour. Sets him up nicely for the Open Championship next week at Royal Liverpool, which is the same course he won the Open back in 2014. By the way, Nick Taylor and Corey Connors both tied for 19th, and they will be at the Open next week as well. I thought you had to get up early to watch uh, tennis. Golf is like midnight because there's uh, the time change, but... All right. It's fun to watch. So you're not getting any sleep then? I'm not getting any sleep, but it's uh, it's fun. It's, it's a good part of the job. Okay. Thanks so much, right. Barry. Well, coming up on the News Hour, we'll meet the BC man who's headed to the top of the international rankings in paraclimbing. Stay with us.
This is BC is brought to you by Johnston Meyer Insurance Agencies Group. 50 years of trust in your community. A Kelowna athlete is quickly rising to the top of the international rankings in paraclimbing. Seamus Boulian has not let his limb difference slow him down and is finding great success in a sport that's still rel relatively new to him. Here's Jay Durant with This is BC. A relaxing waterfront backdrop for a tough day of training for Seamus Boulian, who's made some big gains in a short amount of time in paraclimbing. If you told me three years ago or even two years ago that like you would have a third place finish at a World Cup, a second place at US Nationals, I, I would have said, like, you're crazy. Athletics didn't come easy. He gave basketball a shot when he was younger, but had a hard time with the team dynamic. There was a little bit of, of not wanting to hold my team back, feeling like maybe uh, I would be a, a detriment to the team because of my disability. In this sport, he has found his groove. The biggest thing for me is holding on to small edges. I end up having to hold on to edges sort of with the meaty part of my wrist and my thumb here. A member of the Canadian national team, Boulian has become an ambassador for paraclimbing. Come on, I guess the ultimate goal would be to have a bunch of young guys with limb difference join the team and beat me <laughs> and kick me off. Woo! And then I can just be like the retired old guy who, uh, <laughs> who helped grow the sport. But he's just starting to hit his peak now with a real shot at gold at the World Championships in August. So more training on his bouldering technique, yeah. which means another long session at the lake. Yeah. For a man who discovered not too long ago that he was built for this sport. The gratification of climbing and reaching the top is enough to push past that mental barrier and conquer that fear. It's important to do things even if you think you can't or even if someone tells you you can't. You know, you're capable of more than you think. And whatever you think you're capable of, uh, push beyond that because you'll, you'll surprise yourself. Jay Durant, Global News. And if you have a tip on a great BC story that needs to be told, email your ideas to thisisbc at globalnews.ca. Wow, what a great story. The guy's got some, uh, mm -hmm. some definition, it appears, in his back there when he was climbing the rocks. That's, that's yeah, I know, right? So impressive. <laughs> so, Christy, what uh, last check mm -hmm. with the weather? Yeah, so unfortunately, we're not going to see much rain. It would be very spotty, and uh, it comes with lightning, as we talked about. Um, so even for the south coast, we have the potential for a few thunderstorms tonight, early tomorrow morning. And then for the interior, it will be throughout the day tomorrow. So keep your eye on the sky, keeping our fingers crossed for no more fires. As you well know, we're at, what, 370 fires across the province right now, 23 fires of note. So we certainly don't need any more.